0: us up in prayer before we get started. Father God, you are so good um, and we know that you love us. Um, We know that you love us by giving us your son and giving us each other um, in hopes for moving towards you and sanctifying us um, so that we can one day be like you. Um, I pray that you would give us glimpses and tastes of what you intend for marriage. Um, And I also ask that you would kindly and um, in a hard way also expose some of the ways that we are not doing that. Give us a longing for more as you created us for more. And thank you for all the people that have helped um, create this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Let's talk about Um, some housekeeping things briefly. Mm -hmm. You have hopefully a schedule in your booklet that you can see as to when we're going to take some breaks about uh, what uh, 50 minutes from now Mm -hmm. uh, or 40 at this point. We're going to take a little break. Uh, We may adjust that a little bit. but um, So breaks every hour. And then um, make sure to um, fill out note cards for questions. There's a basket. We'll do that again um, this morning and answer questions. And we want this to be somewhat conversational. Uh, if you have a, a question that you just, you got a quiver in your liver, just go ahead and let it let it fly. Um, quiver in the liver. So uh, other housekeeping stuff, Megan?
0: Um, so tonight there's child care provided for you to be able to go on a date. Um It's from five to eight and realizing I have a two-year-old and that's dinner time. So who would benefit or who would be willing or able to give, uh, if we provide it, give your child a slice of cheese pizza for dinner if that's here? (laughs) Kids-wise, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, So I think that's what we'll do um, to provide cheese pizza for the kids if you have allergy issues or other things, feel free to bring something else or supplemental food. That's fine, too, but know that we will provide cheese pizza and water for your children. (laughs) Okay, and Capri Sun.
1: Great. So, as much as we're talking about marriage, um, there's a lot of ways that yesterday and probably today will expose some, just some sin, some immaturity in your own heart and the way you relate to your spouse, and That's just kind of what it's like to to see Christ. That's kind of what it's like to see the Gospels. That you see your own imperfections, but um, our hope is certainly not that we would walk out of here limping, feeling um, our inadequacy, but that that would drive us to the cross. That that would drive us to the Gospel, and um, that we would grow as a result. Um, I was on the phone yesterday morning with a, a young guy, and he was asking me what I'm doing, and uh, I was like, well, I've been pretty busy. I'm trying to get ready for this marriage conference. And he's like, what's that? What is that, like where you give a bunch of advice for people that are married? And I was like... I hope not. I, I actually said, I hope I hope not. But then when I, re- I, I kind of realized, well, that is kind of what this is. Um, from a very biblical standpoint, i uh, trying to unpack in a lot of different ways, that. And so I kind of realized this conference is somewhat about offering information. And in our church tradition, we're real big on knowledge and information, but knowledge and information do not change us necessarily. We need to recognize that what you walk away with, what you learn here, does not change you necessarily. It's what you do with the tools and the categories that we give you that empowers you to change and so, let's just own that for a second. Um, and as we want to improve our marriages, let's just, let's lean into what it would be like to use this um, to, to shape our marriages. So, the first thing we're going to do this morning <coughs> is we're going to talk about the marriage quadrants. Um, if you're just joining us, the, uh, the graph that we've given you is probably really confusing looking, and I hope to make that less so. Um, by the way, there is a typo. The bottom right-hand side says quadrant one. That's actually quadrant four. Um, So we're just going to kind of walk through um, these quadrants uh, that are loaded with these little boys, little girls, party girls, all these boys and girls, and we're going to talk about what those marriages tend to look like. Um, This is not to pigeonhole anybody who's in these quadrants, but there's just some general categories that... um, are useful to understand how you typically relate. And we're gonna start with quadrant one.
0: So we're still in Good Friday mode for, for just a little bit longer. So we spent yesterday talking about how individuals often avoid intimacy and how we relate in those ways. And that's why we work through kind of those 10 categorical helpful things to kind of think through that. So this is, we're gonna hopefully, you might hear some things that are repeated but these quadrants are kind of what those individuals laid out with these other particular individuals, kind of what that marriage would look like. Um, we're, we're obviously post-fall, all of it's post-fall, but this is what this looks like um, and what we hope to move out of. And then we will get to Easter, I promise.
1: So we refer to the quadrant one as the quadrant of boredom. Uh, based on what you heard yesterday about the little boy um, or the nice boy or the little girl and the uh, nice girl, do you, do you see how that immediately might start making sense, how that could be identified somewhat just by boredom? So, um, what you have here is a passive avoider and the helpless controller. So, what, what, what you're going to see here is a lot of uh, deadness, no conflict, dullness, stability, uh, or the appearance of stability um, externally. There'll be little engagement or connection, little passion, um, and ultimately, all of that results in little intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really a life of compromise in the marriage, uh, not as much um, a marriage of choice and decisiveness or conviction. Um, often, this will be a marriage where they do what is right, but uh, often, again, lacking passion, um, compliant uh, and compromising on both parts, really. Um The only passion you may see is really the passion that you ask them to show, and this family would tend to breed emotional problems because they never deal with anything, and they shove everything under the rug. They just kind of stuff stuff, and ultimately what happens, even in this quadrant, is it's kind of like a jack-in-the-box. You stuff and stuff and stuff, and eventually that thing just pops out, and that may pop out sometimes in emotional outbursts, certainly, or acting out in, in unhealthy ways, whether that's pornography or any number of things, drugs, but certainly there's a brewing, uh, uh, stewing resentment and bitterness and contempt that's happening, and those things do come out even as much as you try to suppress them.
0: Oftentimes you'll see, well, I'll see this couple come in for counseling, not for themselves, but because they have a child that's struggling, and it's, oh, we have a kid that's acting out and we need help because of that. Um, and oftentimes that kid experiences life as being kind of the black sheep. The irony is that that, that black sheep is a piece of health in that family because they're feeling the deadness. They're feeling the disruption, and they're acting out of it, but because it's not been modeled to them what it looks like to express emotion, to care for yourself, to care for others, um, they don't have the, the skill set and the tools to then – Uh, deal with life Um, these kids um, are kind of are 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 often really well behaved or they they experience um, extreme levels of sort of rebellion Um, and that is often what at times can create movement for this couple to see oh this kid is having this problem and it's always, they come in often, it's like, well, we got to fix this problem, and then as we kind of start exploring, there's a level of like, oh, there's no space for this kid to uh, struggle. There's no space to have this conversation. Um, anything that kind of sticks out is going to get moved. Um, kind of like brought
1: into conformity. Mm-hmm. Like if if there's a way that um, that you um, as a child or you as a spouse um, are different or just like out of the normal range, Mm -hmm. that's going to be kind of brought back into conformity one way or another.
0: Mm -hmm. This couple tends to also um, just want each other to be comfortable. There's just such a level of, Luke used the word um, compromise. I I like to use the word conformity of just, well, every, you know, if everyone's happy and everyone's fine, then we're good. Um, There's sort of a sense of if mom is happy, kind of everybody's happy. And mom doesn't so run the show domineeringly and quadrant 1 but there's just a sense of that role play of if everything stays fine then our marriage is fine so let's just not deal let's just not talk um movement we'll get to this a little bit more um passion will really intimidate and scare this couple um i don't tend to be an awesome counselor for this couple <laughs> Because I'm i so far on the other side of brokenness, it looks so different. But I think sometimes that passion, the invitation for passion, um, is what they need. They need to see that there's another way of living, that their expression of longing and desire is truly there. Um, and so if you're walking with someone in this quadrant or you're in this quadrant, um, the invitation would be to really seek out some Seek out passion. What's what's dead and why is it dead? And how can we become alive as Christ is so alive?
1: And some of that passion, that language, I think, just think about like an emotional range that's kind of like steady right here. Not too high, not too low, mm-hmm. right? You, you like to live in this range that's very uh, stable and predictable and under sort of a, a sense of control. And Movement and growth for this couple would be living in the, the extremes of the emotions that we experience and not deadening it or, or governoring it to this limit. Um, and so, uh, again, we're talking about uh, the typically the nice girl and the nice boy. Um, looks great on the outside, but there's a lot of internal just uh, stuckness and... Um, We don't have movie clips today, but I'm curious. um, I don't even know how to shape a question for you, but I'd love to just hear some engagement. Um, Any thoughts or or questions or statements about what you hear or um, what you experience?
0: Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Um, why this couple ch- genuinely probably thinks that they're that they are fine um, because there is no conflict, and therefore, to them, that means that that's fine. So it can feel confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't go into. That. Statistics and stuff, um, but uh, yeah, this uh, this uh, quadrant actually has the highest divorce rate um, post ch- yeah post kind of that child rearing age. Um, some of the new so grad school for me was several years ago, but um, the statistics then I'm assuming are the same if not worse now. That um, 50% of marriages are ending in divorce, and that is not different in the evangelical church at all. And because we talked about last time that good girl, nice girl, good boy, nice boy was kind of your tip, your typical like church goer, just in I'm a good person, I do my thing. There's that, there's that level of what you're saying of just if we put our head down and everything's good, we go on date nights, it's fine. We have we we go to dinner and a movie and it's great. I like dinner and a movie. I'm just saying there's such. Um, there's such boredom in the way that they relate that, yeah, after the 18 plus years of raising children, they're looking at each other. They don't really know one another. Um, They don't really love one another. And that resentment deep inside that they've acted like isn't there. And they may actually truly believe that it's not there. Oftentimes that's when it will come out. And then it's, oh my goodness, what what are we dealing with here? Yeah, that's a good good insight
1: we have some old friends that are in this quadrant um, who we used to hang out with a lot we love them they're great fun pleasant uh deacon church you know great um this couple and the the people in this quadrant would typically they like to play card games card games require a little bit of you know decision making a little bit of risk but not a whole lot um and we would play cards with them a lot Um, it was fun um but we kind of eventually got to like can we talk about something a little bit more? this couple might uh, have scheduled sex on the calendar each week um, just very dutiful, very regular uh, and there's nothing wrong with that per se, especially you know with you know busy life but there's something that, that speaks to how there's a missing element of uh, passion, um, emotion um, and so ultimately this, this couple is just uh, averse to risk in, in many many ways mm-hmm. so uh, I think that's sufficient should we move on? So, quadrant two. Um, We're calling this the quadrant of shame. Shame can be present in all of these quadrants, um, but um, what you see from quadrant two is somewhat more of a patriarchal home. This is uh, having a distant boy or a macho boy with a nice girl or a little girl. And so, um, the way that the male presents himself is much stronger, the way that the female presents herself is much weaker or more submissive. It can look very um, very Ephesians 5-ish um, in its outset, um, but um, that's, that's really not uh, what we think is the biblical picture of marriage. Um, somewhat of a fundamentalist home, sometimes can be dogmatic. Um, you may have an arrogant husband, very busy, maybe distant. Um, a seemingly supportive and somewhat submissive wife. Um, this is, it can be a obedient home that's ruled somewhat by shame. Um, it, sort of a, the message would be, it's safe here as long as you comply, meet the expectations. And um, the macho boy with the little girl, there'd be a high probability of more overt um levels of rage demonstrated in the home, maybe some violence, uh, maybe some manipulation and some um, abuse of tendencies. Um, and oftentimes the men in this realm would get away with these things because they're isolated, they're distant. Um, they don't live in community. Um, and so, uh, you, it seems like you have something there. No? Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Um, there would typically be a high commitment for the man to really not think about himself or really um, the the interest of his families because he's kind of pursuing his own thing. Um, he's he's into his career, he's into his hobbies, he's into the world that makes him feel like a man, and uh, his relationships are just less of where he gets that sense of self. Um, probably a lot of rigid roles here. Uh, some of this 1950s Leave It to Beaver gender type roles. Um, and it can have the appearance of being somewhat of a, like I said, Ephesians 5 biblical marriage, but um, th- we don't think that that's ultimately what's happening in the internal reality. Um, a lot of times the wife will assume uh, blame and responsibility for uh, what has, has happened in the marriage. Um, and you, you kind of see that just by the nature of having a more aggressive uh, husband and a more weak-natured wife, if you want to refer to it as weakness or um, niceness or littleness. And, um, and so that, that immediately creates this, this very unbiblical tension where the husband, who should be taking responsibility of leadership and um, really all things, um, has a way of making his wife feel like she's responsible for the problems.
0: So in this, when this couple comes in, oftentimes the woman's trying to convince me that it's not as bad as it seems, even though her husband is being pretty ab- abusive in the way that he's abusing his power, he's abusing his leadership, um, and the man's just completely oblivious to everything and has no idea why they're sitting on my couch. Um, and so it's, Dan Allender actually says this is the hardest quadrant to work with. The shame is so blatant. So the man is living out of shame with aggression. Um, And the woman is managing not feeling shame. So something that might be helpful as we're talking about shame a little bit today, men will often completely freeze in shame and be completely stuck. Um, I can remember when we talked yesterday about how Luke and I have struggled at times in quadrant four. Um, I would try and shame Luke into movement and think if I could just criticize him enough, uh, he'll move out of this. Men completely freeze in shame. Women freeze in a different way but we will work our way to earn something um that's and I don't want to stereotype men can totally struggle with things like eating disorders and stuff like that but women will try and do something about it to cover their shame so the woman's trying to convince me everything's fine we're the good we're good we're busy you know it's it's totally fine and she manages that shame and kind of suppresses it with an intense behavior to cover it while the man in his aggression just is completely oblivious to the pain that he's causing his family and the abuse of power that he's essentially taking on. The, the, children, um, the children in this family often feel like they're either going to be absorbed by their mom because their mom has needs that aren't being met, and so that can often happen, or they're truly fearful of their father. Um, There's not really an emotional relationship with dad. It's dad's a dictator, um, and if I abide by his rules, then I'll be okay. So I'm going to abide by the rules. But then there's also this stickiness with mom of I don't want to take care of you, and so there's no safe place. Um, So oftentimes we'll see – we talked about rebellion in the other quadrant. I think in some ways that rebellion of that child is healthy because they're trying to say, hey, something's messed up here, and I'm feeling that. This is a child – Trying to just get away. Um, oftentimes, that with this family, that eighteen-year-old is like, "I'm out and I'm not coming back." Um, with intensity, because of just how mom's not safe, home is not safe because mom doesn't really have much sustenance, and dad is just mean.
1: And not necessarily overtly mean, and not necessarily abusive per se. And when she says abusive power, I think she's alluding to the fact that. Um, as a aggressive avoider, he avoids and uses his power, his headship, in a way that does not unite and bring intimacy. Mm -hmm. Um, So, let's just check in here. Um, What do you hear us saying? Do you have questions? Do you have comments?
0: Yes, so I have in my notes I didn't say. Um, this couple will probably only come in if they're court ordered. Um, so often because of the violence um, or, um, Lord willing, if the church is doing their job and they know about it to say, hey, like, if you're a member, we're going to, you got to go. This is something we're going to have to deal with. So, yeah, um, and that, that's why also Dan Allender says this is the hardest to work with because of just the, the intensity of the man's um, anger.
1: I'm really sorry to hear that, and we we all grew up in homes that were broken in different ways, and and that would be a a tough one. Um, Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that, and, you know, we're we're talking somewhat to the extremes, uh, but remember that on this axis, you can vacillate between different um, relating styles, and so the distant boy, as he gets closer to the nice boy, Mm -hmm. would not manifest a lot of those overt abusive tendencies, Mm -hmm. and could actually be very pleasant but there's still an, an engagement with the wife that is going to have this patriarchal distance this lack of real into me see um, and this sort of rigidity of roles that that even would be named biblical and and um, and at times can look at, look very good and um, and is lacking so let's let's have other thoughts or questions. One thing that we have wondered is um, we want to make sure that the language we use is is language that is understood, um, and it's kind of hard for us to know that. So um, are y'all understanding what we're saying? <laughs> it's okay if you're not. I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was a cycle that was happening, mm-hmm. and God's intervention, the change was all from the Lord. And of course, mm-hmm. that thing to me to a kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. But those are some kinds of things that we take, we call baggage, if you will, the things that we carry with us, mm-hmm. at least in my own life.
0: Uh mm-hmm. huh.
1: But still recognizing that I can still operate and function.
0: Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and that's what I was finding out this morning. There's some of these things
1: about looking at that. If you're in a job situation, there might be some of these pointers about personality that would be beneficial. Uh mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being open and honest with her, for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. is more important than ever being honest with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. mm-hmm. so it's a <coughs> kind of attention to the church and great things happen. Yeah. And we usually to hear about that.
0: Mm hmm. hmm sure yeah I think that's kind of why we feel and felt the freedom to share with y'all last night some of the darker parts of our story um, and both of us would be willing to sit and talk more with you about that um, the video we showed of like I said quadrant of, of the macho boy and she was kind of playing tough girl a little bit um, that was intense and yet I told y'all we put them to shame uh, with how ugly our home has been at times. And so I feel freedom to say that having knowing I can still vacillate back there. Uh, and yet the Lord has really broken so many chains in that way. Um, I think something that I'm hearing thematically too is that our stories really do play into this. Um, it doesn't excuse our sin. It doesn't excuse our styles of relating, but it is so informative. Um, Sometimes I like to refer myself, not as a counselor, but um, like a story explorer. Um, so what does it look like to kind of work through your story, work through why are you the way you are? Uh, you know, tell me about your family. Tell me about, you know, all the kind of the silly stereotypical things people think a counselor asks. Hopefully I don't do that all the time. But those things are really helpful. Um, and, and if you see, we're going to get to this in a little bit, but when you see, your family, you're, you're going to see your, you, you may even see your parents on this scale quicker than you see yourself. Um, and, and that's okay. I hope that's a place for you to give permission to grieve and say, gosh, that was so hard being that kid. Um, that was so hard watching. No wonder I have no category for how to lead my family. No wonder I have no category for how to boldly approach my husband. My mom was a silent mouse. Um, of course, gosh, of course. And yet, God is calling you to more, and so that's why, yeah, wanting space, be where you are, and know that your story plays into that. I think it's important to explore not only your marriage, but the marriages that have impacted you, Um, and and be able to name that. I think that's really healthy to be able to say, I think this was what I grew up in, and that was insane, Um, and explore the impact of that, and then maybe explore, well, that makes sense why I, and we're going to get to this um, of. We we actually marry out of our dysfunction. Um, we marry s- people specifically so we can hide. Um, and the Lord is so kind to redeem that in our life. Um, but as we marry out of our dysfunction, um, oftentimes it's running from one of those quadrants, if you will, that impacted you so negatively. So I'm going to go um, to the other side, or I'm going to go to this extreme to avoid the pain that I felt here. If that makes sense.
1: We're staying exactly in the same quadrant. That because you grew it up feels in. safe, right? So. Um, let's tarry on. Mm -hmm. We'll do quadrant three. Quadrant three is somewhat the mirror opposite of quadrant two. So more matriarchal home, uh, a stronger female and a seemingly more uh, passive uh, male. So let's throw out some thoughts. Um, What do you anticipate that home looking like? That's good. What else? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Yes, dear. Yes. Mm-hmm. Happy wife, happy life, let her lead, let her run the show, she might have career more so um, and more ambition perhaps than the man, uh, perhaps even as the primary breadwinner, perhaps. Um, but there's just a sense that she probably sets the tone. She probably has set the culture of the home. Um, and what you see there is the husband has ultimately abdicated his responsibility to do so or is too passive and avoidance Um, to, to do that himself, to lead in that way. And so the wife does exactly what Eve did. She takes control. Worse mm-hmm. on that scale. Mm-hmm. Where it was like five years ago you mm-hmm. would have worked, you know, didn't been, been good at work, and maybe you found a second job. Mm-hmm. now it's like there's so many demands that he's just kind of like teetering off so, yeah, almost checking out. Like I mean, is there any different big time question. I love that. Um I I just think for all of us Uh, with individuals and in marriages, we just need to be the body of Christ. Ephesians tells us to speak the truth in love, and we're going to get to that and just walking life with each other and being uh, available enough to speak to the dignity we see in folks, but also the depravity and just say, hey, let me pull you aside. This is something I'm observing. I'm not saying I'm better than you, but um, you seem to be having this tendency. um, I wonder what that's like. Maybe be curious with them about that. Um.
0: Acknowledging the impact of how emasculated he must feel. Um, if you're seeing a man continue to dwindle into a boy more and more, um, gosh, what's, that is something to grieve. Yeah. So to to say, gosh, I hate that I'm losing you. I hate that you're not yourself. I don't, where are you? Um, to kind of call call him out of that. Um, and I think for the woman, it's gonna, and we're going to get to this, but be important to if, uh, if you're a woman and you're her friend to say, gosh, that was so harsh the way you said that. Um, I know that you're frustrated with your husband, but whew, there was some sting um, to that language and to kind of communicate what you're feeling, what you're being impacted by, um, to kind of expose the way they're relating with one another.
1: and And really... You know, it's it's often really not loving or kind to say nothing, mm-hmm. but we should certainly evaluate where we are um, before we engage with other people, um, and you know, bringing that kind of uh, conversation um, is getting pretty real pretty quick, um, and I would I, I would imagine there would need to be a level of trust established before. Something like that is brought brought up, um, and yet sometimes you just have to you just kind of got to got to go with it. But let's let's go on. Um, that's sort of the essence of quadrant three, mirror image of quadrant two, opposite rather. Um, strong woman, <laughs> tendency for the man to be much more passive, um, and it's more extremes. The the woman is going to degrade, emasculate, criticize, and the distance like you're, you're naming there is just going to continue to grow. The chasm gets bigger. Her resentment is fueled by his passivity. Mm-hmm. Her contempt is enraged by his lack of movement. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of reaffirms in her her absolute necessary um, role as leader because she sees him not leading. Um, And so his niceness, in some ways, may be a disgust to her. Um,
0: It's kind of a double-edged sword, because as he becomes less and less of a man, she's going to be enraged by that, and it's going to fuel her fire to then dominate more and more. And so you get stuck in this really upsetting cycle of... uh, Getting essentially le- uh, like you're saying, worse and worse.
1: So, we're gonna, I think it's a good time to move into the next quadrant. So, what we've seen so far is just working backwards. We have uh, a very strong woman with a uh, much less strong man. Uh, working backwards into quadrant two, we have a much stronger man in appearance um, than the woman. And then, working backwards into quadrant one, somewhat of two people who are just both terrified in, uh, and try to avoid intimacy through passivity. Um, and so now moving into quadrant four, we have, again, sort of the mirror opposite of quadrant one. And me and Megan live in this quadrant when in, in our unhealth, health. Um, and this is a quadrant of anger, um, of high emotional volatility at its worst. Um, this is a place where you have a very strong, uh, on the you know, appearance, uh, strong man and strong woman. Uh, careers are important. Hobbies are important. Um, relationships are just less the driving force. Um, and how they engage, uh, it's, it's like two rams out in a field trying to establish dominance. And it, it just looks awful at times. And one of the really great things in our marital story is someone naming for us the fact that as much as our marriage in its worst states is just like combative and fighting and defensive and, you know, uh, sort of this aggression of types, uh, someone helping us see that there's a stability in that because at least we represent ourselves. At least we're going to name our desires. At least we're not dead. At least we are showing up, and we're willing to fight, and we're not numb. Mm-hmm. Numbness in this quadrant, or being checked out, would really be the danger, mm-hmm. because um, that's that's someone saying it's not worth it. The mm-hmm. relationship, what the tension you caused me, the hurt that you've inflicted on me, I'm done. I'm out. And so, there's a stability here just in the sense that two people are willing to, to tussle, um, whereas in all the other quadrants, one or both typically are just not tussling.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, both parties are fighting to win. Um, there's not, or even, even just fighting to fight. There's a sense of, I will not be conquered. I will not be beat. Um, I will not be seen as weak, and so therefore, I'll fight a battle I know I'm going to even lose, because my sense of self is so wrapped up in this. Um, I can't remember, in I think it was maybe the first one or two years of our marriage, I said something to Luke, like, gosh, you fight. What did I say? You fight mean.
1: And I said, I fight to win.
0: <laughs>
1: and, and honestly, this my, I grew up with just a, a, a single mother, um, and so in some ways, my home growing up was sort of the matriarchal quadrant three marriage uh, without a marriage, and in some ways, my mom was also a very, very little girl, uh, very manipulative, very controlling, and very passive ways, um, and along the way, in our volatile home, uh, I, I learned to, to, to win arguments. You know, in this quadrant, the idea of fight or flight, it's all flight, or all fight. Quadrant one, fight or flight, it's a lot more just like, oh, no, we're, we're getting out of here. We're not doing that. Making sense? Mm-hmm. Questions, I
0: me- comments? I mentioned a minute ago that our stories play into this, so um, I was told at a young age that um, you were intimidating as a child, so sometimes we just didn't really know what to do with you. So we just didn't engage. Like, we we didn't, you were so, I was already a tough girl at a young age, and so it was like, oh, boy, okay. Uh, We love you, but we don't know how to categorize you. And so there was something about um, that. So I, I think we have to also be careful of not blaming our spouse for putting us in these categories. I used to think, because I did not grow up in a volatile home, that Luke was the reason that I was tough girl, Um, that like, oh, I never was like that before, and you're the one that brought that out of me, you're so mean, and so I had to learn to be mean, and after doing some story work, and actually having some really honest conversations with my parents, they lovingly and humbly, saying, we know we didn't do this all right, but (laughs) you were like that earlier on, Um, and I had some memories then of like, yeah, I set my dad up to not win I in fear of him being distant or fear of him not engaging me. And so I think I'll lay all that out to say um, we can often say, well, I, I only do this, especially even in quadrant three, the woman will say, well, I have to be dominant because he's so passive. Yes, that cycle is playing out true. But my guess is if you were to kind of explore your story, explore some of some of the things that have gone on in your life, this did start before you were married and you kind of chose to marry this for one reason or another, if that makes sense.
1: We're going to take a break in just a sec. I'm just curious, without you naming your quadrant out loud, do you feel like you kind of know one or the two quadrants that you probably fit in the best? Um, We've been talking in some language that's a little bit on the extremities, but um, the typical patterns I hope are coming through and if if we need to clarify some of that a little bit more, we can. But can I just get some head nods, yes or no, as to whether or not you feel like you're you're finding, you know, your relating style and your marital relating style? Okay. Well, let's take a break, and we'll see you in about ten.